Welcome to Twice Born Podcast. My name is Mike Bailey. On this episode, we will be looking at 1 Corinthians chapter 4. There's a study worksheet that goes along with this if you'd like to use that. You can check all this out at twiceborn.net, and I hope this study and this message is helpful. God bless. Well, this morning we're continuing our series on 1 Corinthians, and so I would encourage you, if you can, uh, read ahead. Next week will be 1 Corinthians chapter 5. It's really helpful to come in with some uh, back information, some knowledge of what we're going to be discussing today. Uh, we are Bible-based, Christ-centered, Spirit-led. We want to be uh, totally in tune with the Spirit of God, knowing that it's His words that we read when we read from the Bible. And so uh, I hope you're encouraged by that. I hope that as we gather today, we don't take for granted the fact that we have the words of God. We have uh, where we came from, why we're here, and where we're going, our purpose, our value, and our meaning. And so we're very uh, privileged to have that because not everyone in time and not even everyone today on this planet has that as an option. And so uh, we would encourage you, we have sermon-based studies that you can take and study during the week. We study those in our groups because we believe it's not just Sunday morning uh, that you're a follower of Christ, that you're a Christian. It's actually every day of the week. It starts in the morning. It ends when you go to sleep. And so it's always growing and maturing in your faith and, and learning to become what Christ has created you to be. And so we're going to be looking at 1 Corinthians chapter 4, and uh, it's talking, this, this chapter deals with uh, leadership and mentors and, and those that help us to get on the right path. And as I was studying this chapter and preparing for this message, I was just considering the people in my life that have made a big difference. We all have a story. Everyone in, in, in here has a story. Someone led you down a path. Someone pointed you in the right direction. Someone was an encouragement to you. Uh, someone helped you to become the person that you are. None of us uh, are isolated or loners when it comes to our lives. People have invested in us. People have encouraged us. People have pointed us in the right direction. And, and as we look at this chapter, I would have you consider those people in your life uh, that have been mentors, those who have encouraged you, those who have been uh, a point of reference to help you to make the right decisions, to go in the right way. Uh, these are just a few of them. If you look on the screen, when I was a teenager, this is Jewel and Becky Zing. They opened up their home as our youth leaders. Uh, and every week, Tuesday night, we would go have youth group at their house. And I can tell you, Jewel is one of the most humble, uh, meek, uh, kind men that I've ever known in my life. And that's what I needed when I was a young man. I didn't need someone to bully me. I needed someone that would give me grace. And uh, he definitely was full of grace. And I look back at Jewel as a mentor in my life to show me the patience and grace that God has. I, I was not in love with Jesus when I was a young person. I don't know about you, but it took a while. God had different things that had to occur in my life before I really recognized my need for Jesus, my need to, to live for the Lord. And there were times where I was very selfish, very self-absorbed, and Jewel was always there to help point in the right direction. Uh, Jewel's part of, uh, for me, coming to know Christ at a summer camp. He's the one that organized that. And so I look back and I'm so thankful for him. Underneath him, uh, this is Daryl Orman and Nick Bennett. Daryl is the pastor of First Baptist Port Orange. Daryl's about 6'5", 300 pounds. He's a big guy. You can't miss him. Uh, but he loves Jesus. And Daryl was a mentor for me because every week we'd have staff meeting and we'd have to share who did we share Jesus with this week. And he had a heart for evangelism. And he recognized as a Christian, as a Christian, it's really easy to live your life and never share your faith. 
and never be intentional about uh, encouraging others to consider spiritual things, to learn what it means that Christ died on the cross, he was buried, and he rose from the grave. And if you confess and believe, uh, you can have eternal life. He was a constant reminder and he was a mentor for me that consistency in evangelism is so important. Consistently reminding myself that I was dead in my sin, separated from God, sent to hell and death if that were to happen. And it's only by the grace of Christ on the cross, his resurrection, that I have any hope, that any of us have hope. And that that hope is to be shared, that hope is to be lived out. And so Daryl was my mentor uh, in being an evangelist. This guy in the middle, Roger Hesh, he was like Moses to me. He almost looked a little bit like Moses. Uh, he was a missionary in Africa for around almost 30 years. He was put in jail for sharing Bibles with people. He was a discipler. Um, many churches and Bible groups in Africa can find him as, as the starting point. And every time I met with Roger, he said, God, uh, Mike, what is God telling you today? What is God saying? He spoke to Abraham. He spoke to Isaac. He spoke to Adam. He spoke to Moses. He spoke to Noah. How is he speaking to you? And every time I met, I had to think, what is he telling me? <laughs> right? And it was the mentorship of reminding me I'm more spiritual than I am physical, that I'm a, this is a limited time in this life. I have an eternity ahead of me. How am I preparing? How am I living out today? I needed him in my life to help me, to remind me, and also to have a more spiritual view of the day-to-day -day things. Uh, that I was doing. And the top right here, that's Pastor Dawes Dunham. He was the he is now the pastor of First Baptist Danville in Danville, Pennsylvania. Uh, he was a discipler. He cared desperately and deeply about people, and he taught me the importance of consistently shepherding and loving people. And that even in ministry, even in, in church life, people can become commodities and they can lose their value as humans. And he's, he always had compassion and love for everyone that he ministered to. And he reminded me every time that we met that every person matters. Every person, whether you meet them on the street or they come to the church or you interact with them because they're connected to you through your children, they all matter to God. They all have been made in his image for his glory, for his worship. And he was a reminder and he was a mentor for me to continually keep my, my focus on that God loves each person. And he has a plan and desire to be part of their life. And then as you see on the bottom, that's when I graduated from Liberty uh, with my Master's of Divinity. Uh, my mom and my dad, probably my two most powerful mentors in my life. Uh, my dad taught me the importance of taking God's word seriously. Uh, he's been passionate about God's word his whole life. Um, he's the kind of guy that you wonder, where, where is his sin? Because he didn't swear. He didn't do all these things. He was, he was like one of those people, the dads or moms, parents, that you feel like, didn't you do anything bad when you were growing up? Really? And he's like, oh, it was pride. I had pride. I'm like, well, that's not that big a deal. <laughs> so, but he was a great dad. I'm thankful to God for him. And he has been an example even to this day. And then my mother went to be with the Lord about five years ago. And she was the most hardworking, selfless person I've ever known. And she taught me to put others first, to always consider uh, the needs of people above my own needs. And she lived that out. And that's the thing. All of these people that were mentors in my life, they lived it out in front of me, and then they taught it to me. So there was no hypocrisy. They weren't telling me one thing and doing another. And this morning, as we come to this place, I'm just sharing my journey. These are the people that I had nothing to do. These people God brought into my life. I did not seek them out. God used them as instruments in my life to help me. And, and, I, and I only put this up, not because any of this is about me, but it's about us. And who are the people in your life that have gotten you to this day? Who are the people that have pointed you in the right direction? 
Who are the people that helped you to navigate the tricky parts, the challenging parts of life? And who are you mentoring? Who are the people that you're pointing at them in the right direction? Who are you, the one that people look to for wisdom and guidance, and they want to see that you live the words you share? And so this morning, as we go to God's Word in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, the question is, what does God want us to know about mentors? What does He want us to know about this idea of, of someone helping us along our journey and our spiritual path? So before we go to His Word, let's precede it with prayer and ask the Lord to speak directly to our hearts. Father God, I thank you for today. I thank you that you love us and that Paul tells us that he's imitating you and, and we're to imitate him. And so, Lord, we know that part of being your follower is to learn from those that are, that are in front of us, those, those that have gone ahead. And so, Lord, as we study your word today, Lord, we pray that our, our hearts would be open, our minds would be in tune, that these things would make sense to us, that they would grip us to the point where we'd be doers of whatever you're calling us to do, that we want to just hear and understand, but Lord, that we would embrace and we would follow through and we would lead the way you want us to lead and live the way you want us to live and that lives would be transformed and changed because you're using us as instruments. You're using us uh, as your advocates here on this planet to declare your gospel and to be disciples. So Lord, we pray that you'd bless the reading of your word. Thank you for Paul writing to Corinth. Thank you for the Corinthian church, Lord. And even though there was many struggles and challenges there, Lord, you were you were patient with them and, and you used Paul to direct them and to point them in the right direction. Lord, I pray that you'd bless us now as we look into your word together, that we would be enlightened, our eyes would be opened, and our spirits would be in tune. In Jesus' name, amen. As we look at the book of Corinth, the Corinthians, 1 Corinthians, uh, we talked earlier, there's probably four letters that Paul wrote to the, to the Corinth church, but the place Corinth was known, it was like Las Vegas. It was not a godly town. Uh, there was actually a Greek word uh, that had Corinth in it that meant that you were kind of a party animal. And it wasn't a positive, it was a real negative. It was like, you know, in college, if you were a fraternity, and sometimes that has a negative connotation, a frat guy or a frat boy, that those, that wasn't something that said you had high morals and high character. It probably meant the opposite. And it was true of Corinth, that if, if you were from Corinth, they would say it's expensive to go to Corinth because the sin costs a lot of money there. And so Corinth was known for being a rough place. It was known for lots of money uh, and a lots of indulgence. And so when Paul is writing to this church, this church exists within the midst of a very difficult place for a church to exist, for a group of people to be committed to the Lord and committed to his ways. And so uh, he's trying to kind of confront them in a loving way, but recognize that there's a lot around them that can pull them in the wrong direction. And I would say many of us in this room, you probably grew up in, in, a, in a country where there was still a respect for God's word. There was still a respect uh, for basic Ten Commandments, basic morality. But we're no longer there. We live in a world that's completely shifted, and there's actually the opposite. There's a disdain for the things of God. And so the culture that we're engaging with, the culture that, that's coming up behind, needs guidance. It needs someone to come along and, and give direction because it's just like this Corinth church. It's in the middle of a cesspool. It's in the middle of the bog. It's in the middle of the swamp. And it needs some clarity because it can be really easy to sink deep into that place. And so I would say Paul uses sarcasm. Because we're going to read some verses. It can be confusing. Um, but you have to recognize, in a sense, he's using sarcasm to get the attention of the Corinth church, the Corinthian church. He's using sarcasm to help them to see... Uh, what the situation really is. And so as we look at 1 Corinthians 4, 8 through 10, this is what it says. 
You are already full. You are already rich. You've begun to reign as kings without us. And I wish you did reign so that we could also reign with you. For I think God has displayed us, the apostles, in this last place. Like men condemned to die, we've become a spectacle to the world, both to angels and to people. We are fools for Christ, but we are wise in Christ. We are weak, but you are strong. You are distinguished. We are dishonored. And so you read that on the surface. That can be pretty confusing. Paul, what are you saying? Are they saying they actually are that? Or are you trying to get them to think about if Paul is the disciple and those that are following him are following Christ and, and in their life there are these challenges and there are these obstacles and yet there seems to not be these obstacles in the Corinth church and they're living like they're already in heaven, right? They're living like everything has already been fulfilled that Christ says he's going to fulfill. And so their approach is that we've already made it and Paul has to confront that. Paul has to deal with this um, self-righteousness, uh, uh, an air of, of pride and arrogance that lived within the church. I remember uh, I learned a lot in sports growing up, so it's helpful for me to learn and, and to, uh, to have analogies there. When I was in high school, I played, I was a kick and punt returner, I was a running back, and I was a corner. And I had a coach that if I had a bad game, he would walk by me and he'd say, Mike, look at me. I'm not fumbling. And I'd look at him and I'd be like, oh my goodness. And then he'd throw the ball up and he would catch and say, look, Mike, I'm catching the ball when it's thrown to me. Right? I still remember that to this day. <laughs> it still motivates me. Because he was using sarcasm. He was using a truth that, that I understood to convey some, some things I needed to reflect on. Now, football meant nothing. All those things, it means more to me now than anyone ever. Right? Because it really doesn't matter. But the truth is, Paul is saying, look, be so careful because you're living like you've already received the inheritance. You're acting like uh, there's no more to be done. There's no struggle. There's no more fighting the enemy. There's no more engaging in the battle. There's no more uh, going into the world and, and, and sacrificing all that you have, taking up your cross and following me and, and, and doing these things. You're acting as though all that's already done and you've already achieved everything. You need better leadership to help you to understand where you really are in the journey that God has for you. And so this morning as we look at this, uh, sometimes we need tough love because it's the best way to get our attention, right? I don't know about you, and I don't know if you can relate to this, but there are times I get in life and you can coast spiritually, and you think everything's wonderful, and then God reveals something to you and you realize, man, I've got a long way to go. He reveals something to your heart, reveals something to a thought, shows you something in someone else, or, or, or shows you something through his word. And you realize, I have so much to grow. I have so much more to, to follow Christ, and I have so much more to learn, so much more to be in Christ. And so this morning, as we look at these, these verses, I don't know if you need a wake-up call, but I need a wake-up call every Sunday. So last night, I'm going to admit something to you. I couldn't fall asleep. Um, uh, we went, and I got this drink. It's a refresher from Starbucks, and I didn't know that it like keeps you awake, like keeps me awake at night. So I could not fall asleep last night. And I had, when I was cleaning out one of our shelves, I saw we had little melatonin, uh, little gummies. <laughs> and so I took them, and I still feel sleepy right now. <laughs> I need to wake up right now, this very moment. I need these, this melatonin to get off of me and let me be awake. 
But the truth is, that's life, isn't it? We get into these, this spiritual slumber, this kind of, all right, I, that's who I was. I've already done all that. You know, I taught a class. I, I was on fire for the Lord. But what about today? Right? Am I still in love with Christ? Am I still hungering and thirsting for righteousness? Am I still following the path of truth? Um, do I still desire the lost to be found? Does it burden me the lostness around me? Does it burden me the brokenness of this place? Or am I comfortable with just, hey, I'm, I'm just coasting until God uh, ends this and Jesus returns? See, that's the challenge. Is sometimes even in a place like Corinth or in a place like the United States, we can just wait for Jesus to come back and kind of hunker down and, and, and try to, you know, survive it instead of recognizing that he planted us here on purpose at this time to be part of his light shining in the darkness. And that leads us to humility and it leads us to a place of grace and it leads us to a recognition that I need a wake-up call and we probably all need a wake-up call. We probably all need to be reminded regularly that we have a great uh, challenge and a great opportunity in front of us. And that is to be disciples who make disciples of all generations, to be those that advocate the truth, to be those that are, that are living the way that Christ has, has revealed to us to live and sharing that with others. Proverbs in the Old Testament 13 says this, the one who walks with the wise will become wise, but the, beca- the, beca- the, the, the companions of fools will suffer harm. If you walk with those that are wise, it'll rub off on you. There's actually been scientific studies of, of how relationships work and you know the psychological aspects of your relationships and, and how uh, you begin to think the way the people around you think and you, you grow the attitudes. And we talk about today living in, you know, we, we have these echo chambers people talk about. And uh, unfortunately, uh, that gets misused. But the truth is there is a good aspect that if I'm around wise, godly people, I will begin to saturate that into my mind and my heart. That's why we want to be in groups. That's why we want to gather outside of Sunday because I need, I need to hear what God's doing in your life. I need to hear how God is teaching you and you need to hear it from me as well because that wisdom spreads like a seed being planted in our souls and it produces life and it produces fruit and it produces all these things. And so Paul goes back. We're going to go back to 1 Corinthians 4.14. It says, I'm not writing this to shame you, but to warn you as my dear children. For you may have countless instructors in Christ, but you don't have many fathers. And I think you could replace that father with mentor. You have a lot of books. You have a lot of websites. You have a lot of blogs. You have a lot of podcasts. You have a lot of radio stations that teach a lot about God and a lot about Jesus. And there's a lot of noise in the world for Jesus. But we need, we need mentors. We need spiritual parents that will lead us and guide us and train us and equip us and teach us and show us and, and, and have some tough love with us and also have some celebration with us. All of us need that. I need that. You need that. Everyone needs someone that's gone ahead of them that they can talk to, that they can engage with, they can pray with and learn from, that they can say, hey, uh, do you think this is of God? Do you think this is what I should be doing? Do you think this is right? How do I deal with this situation? We all need spiritual mentors. We need someone who's solid and they've shown their life to be true that we can turn to in times of challenge and even turn to on a regular basis just so that our life can mature the way it should. And in the same manner, there's many people that God has put in your life that are looking to you as that person. You're the position of mentor. So many young people, so many people 
are looking for a spiritual parent. There's noise everywhere, but noise is not the same as mentorship. Each one of us needs to be looking ahead to who's leading us and looking behind to who are we pulling with us. Who are we putting the hand out and saying, come with me. Let me help you. I've been there. I've seen it. I've experienced it. You know, a godly mentor can make all the difference in life. As I've read the biographies and heard the stories of so many great men and women of God, you know the constant theme is that they give it credit to someone else for why they are what they are. So many of them talk about a grandmother, an aunt, an uncle, talk about a father, talk about a Sunday school teacher, talk about a coach. They all refer to someone that God put in their life at the right time to point them in the right direction. We all need it. It makes the difference in life. So many people wander through life and they follow the crowd and they think the crowd is going the right direction. And so they never question it. And they don't have that person. They don't have that relationship with someone that says, is the crowd really going the right way? How do you think this is going to turn out? What do you think is going to be the consequence of these choices? Every person you know, every person that exists needs someone in their life that can show them Christ. They can give them wisdom and guidance and discernment. Godly, wise mentors keep us from making many foolish decisions, right? Godly, wise mentors keep us from a lot of foolish things. I know in my life, um, there's so many times where listening to someone who's gone before and and them showing the path and saying, if you go this way, here's what's going to happen. If you go this way, here's what's going to happen. Now you need to make the decision. And that's been so helpful because there's also been times in my life where I just, you know, I'm going to lead by my gut, whatever my instinct says. And a lot of times that gets you in trouble. It gets you in a path that leads down to harmful place. I know in one of our groups, George Crone, he's one of our disciples. He says, and I've shared this with you before, um, I don't need to be the guy bit by the snake to learn of its danger, right? I, he can be bit and I'll learn from his mistake. And I think that's true. The truth is, um, in our lives, we may experience a lot of tragedy. We may experience a lot of pain. We may experience a lot of things and wonder, well, why, God, did you let me go through this? And, And he could say, because I want you to teach the next person what I taught you so that they don't have to go down that same path. I want you to be a mentor. I want you to be a leader. I want you to be a guide because there are so many I've made just like you that are about to go down the exact same path you went down that need someone in their life to come along and say, hey, let me tell you, I've been where you are. And here's what the Lord has revealed. Let me keep you from some pain. Let me keep you from some suffering. And more importantly, let me teach you how to glorify God with your life. Let me teach you how to be faithful and obedient to God and how the blessings of life and joy that only he can give will be revealed. Proverbs 29.18 says, Without revelation, people run wild. But one who follows divine instruction will be happy. When there's no clear path, when there's no absolute, when there's nothing that defines life, and that's what we're finding ourselves in our culture, it's just opinion-oriented. Whose opinion is the loudest? When that is how a structure is being revealed, when that is how a structure is being taught and, and implemented, it only leads to chaos and despair and greater and greater problems. 
It's when a revelation that is clear, defined, this is the rock of Christ and I build my life on His rock and He is the one that determines the truth, who I am and what I am, uh, even if I don't like it, even if my, my in, initial reaction is that I don't like that that's what He says, um, I recognize His way is better. I recognize that He is the authority. I, I am just a, a created being in His image. I was created for His glory and for His worship, not to dictate to Him what the rules are. And so when I recognize that, and when we have leaders and we have elders and we have teachers that teach and train and equip, um, it's shocking to me when I talk to people in our communities uh, that just the lack of knowledge of God's Word. There's no understanding of truth. Yesterday, uh, I was with my daughter and we were in the store and I heard the most interesting conversation. This is what I heard. Uh, it's not good to lie, it's a sin. And the gentleman said, lying is not a sin. And they went on to argue whether lying was a sin or not. I was not expected for that theological debate <laughs> at that moment. When you live in a culture that says lying is not a sin, what is a sin? Right? I thought he was playing like 3D chess. He's saying he was lying about the lying not being a sin. Because if you live in a world where nothing's wrong except uh, anyone that goes against you, that is a world that leads to complete chaos. And that's, where we're, so that's what we're seeing, the fruit of that. And so we are living in a spiritual, uh, a time of spiritual famine when it comes to godly leaders. Who are the godly leaders in our nation? Who are the loud voices saying, thus saith the Lord? Who are those who are in our nation that are, are being vocal and saying, uh, it's okay that you have opinions, but there's truth and truth is foundational. It's been the same yesterday, today, and forever. God's word will never pass away. Where are those leaders in our culture? Where are those leaders that have voices that people listen to and say, yes, I can rely on this. This is truth. This is something I can build my life on. This is something I can train my children. This is something I can build my family around. Where is that? Who is that? Unfortunately, the church has deviated to this idea that, that we can do self-help. I hope you have a wonderful life. I hope you have a wonderful marriage. I hope that you're, you have finances that are good and all these things. I hope that. But it doesn't really matter if you don't know the Lord. Those are all just surf, surface, superficial. But the relationship with Christ is fundamental. And if we miss the fundamental truth and if we don't have leaders and mentors that are discipling the next generation, we'll be much like the Israelites who did what was right in their own eyes. And it led them to despair. And it destroyed the very framework in which they lived. And so today, we have this challenge from Paul. And here's what he goes on to say. He gives us a good answer. 1 Corinthians 4.16 Therefore, I urge you to imitate me. This is why I have sent Timothy to you. He is my dearly loved and faithful child in the Lord. He will remind you about my ways in Christ Jesus, just as I teach everywhere in every church. Paul says, I discipled or mentored Timothy. He learned from me. I taught him and I trained him and I equipped him. Then now I'm sending Timothy to your church there in Corinth, and he's going to lead you and discipleship you and train you. He's your mentor. Follow him and then become a mentor. 
This is the way that God has, has established his church, that those leaders would go ahead, they would train up leaders to come behind them, who would train up leaders to come behind them, train up mentors, men and women, mothers and fathers, sisters and brothers, that will be raised up so that they can follow Christ. And that's what we need today. We need a church that's not pastor-based, but is body-based. That you become a mentor. You become a minister. You minister to someone else, and they become what you are. That you lead by example. You teach what is true. Then they become the one that leads by example and teaches what is true. We are all part of a chain leading to the day Christ returns. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be the last link in the chain. I don't want to be the one where it said no one came after me, that I mentored no one, that I pursued leading no one. I don't think we want as a church to be known as a church that it ended with us, that we mentored no one, that we led no one in discipleship, that we led no one to Christ so that they could then replace us one day as the leaders of the church. This is so vitally important. Paul is telling the Corinth church, yes, it's messy around you. Don't worry about the mess. Worry about what God has ordained, and he has ordained you to grow in him and then train and equip those who come behind you so that they can do what you're doing. This is what we're called to. This is the responsibility of the church. This is the responsibility as a father, as a mother, as a teacher. We're called to this great responsibility. Paul mentored Timothy, who mentored the Corinth church. And finally, he says this, 1 Corinthians 4.21, What do you want? Should I come to you with a rod or in love and the spirit of gentleness? Here's what I recognized. I've been in church. It's unbelievable. I've been 23 years full-time, or 20 years full-time ministry. And the struggle that I have had, that probably the thing I look back on and wish that I would have done differently as I focused on the squeaky wheel, I focused on the problem instead of those that wanted to lead. I want to invest in leaders. I want to invest in mentors. I want our church to invest in people that want to love Jesus, that want to serve Jesus, that want to share Jesus. Let's invest. In, and if, they, if there's someone who doesn't, that's fine. But I got to put my investment somewhere. And we can't fix everyone's problems. And if there's something you don't like, I can't. None of us can fix everything so you'll like everything. And the real goal isn't for all of us to like this place or to like everything that happens or that everything fits our ideal. What this place exists for, this group of people exists so that we can come to Christ, live like Christ, and share Christ. That's sacrifice. That's not buffet. That's not, this is what I like, this is what I like, this is what I like. No, it's whatever your will is, it be done. Whatever your will is, it be done. Help me to become less so you can be more. I know that you seek the humble. Help me, Lord, to see who I really am and to love the way you love and to care the way you care. Some people want to be discipled. Some people are so desperate. You'd be shocked how many young men and women want an older person to come alongside and give them advice, give them wisdom, give them discernment, give them help. As a church, are we ready for that? Are we open to that? Do we desire to fill that gap? Do we desire to help those who are coming behind us so that they may know the Lord is their Savior and live for Him each day? What do they need? What's the real problem in our culture? What's the real problem in our world? What's the real problem in Port Orange and Volusia County? 
It's not financial. It's not economic. It's not health care. It's not buildings or houses. It's the spiritual situation of our community. It's a lostness. It's a brokenness. It's a, a lot of people that need to know that they can be saved and they can live for the Lord and that there are those who've experienced what they've experienced and can point them in the right direction. So my question this morning, as we've seen 1 Corinthians shared with us, who did God create you to mentor? And who is mentoring you? Who did God put in this world that at the end, when it's all said and done, he put you here for them? Would you be willing to pray each day that God would reveal who that person is or those people are? That you would begin to live your life focused on obedience to the Lord and making disciples. When Jesus ascended into heaven, he didn't say build big buildings. He didn't say have big crowds join and, and celebrate me. He said, no, go make disciples. Go make those that love Christ and then they can love Christ and then they can love Christ. Those that follow behind, those who become, those who are taught and trained and equipped, that they, they come to Christ as their Savior and they begin to walk in a path in his direction. Who is that for you today? Who needs you so desperately right now? Because they've tried every single thing in this world and it's all disappointed. And it's all brought chaos and despair. This is a great challenge and a great responsibility. This is why it's so powerful that we gather like this. This is why it's so important that we commit to each other, that we commit to these tasks, that we move forward together and that we impact the world that God has put us in. How, do, how can you apply this right now? How can you live this out? First, thank God that he's revealed it to you. Thank God that he's given us his word that we can be mentored in. Thank God that he didn't hide himself. He revealed himself. So many people I talk to say, well, we can't really know, and it's just your opinion, and what's good for you is good for you. And what's good for I say there's either one way or there's no way. Like, Either this is the word of God and he is the way, the truth, and the life, or there's nothing to put hope in. Those are our options, right? And so we need to clearly recognize and first be thankful, second, repent of pride and hidden sin in your life. If there's something that's hindering you from being a good mentor, if you struggle with lying, if you struggle with addictions, if you struggle in an area, give it to the Lord today. Help him to... to lead you in the way of righteousness to take those things from your life so that you can be filled with the Holy Spirit in every area of your life. Every single one of us in this room, there are areas of growth that we have that we need to confess and repent and ask the Lord to lead us and guide us in the ways of righteousness. You can't do it alone. This is not uh, power up time. It's ask God to help you. I need God's help. You need, we need God's, this is not going to mean anything as a church if God doesn't do it. The Holy Spirit doesn't empower it. If it's not led with prayer and humble seeking of the Lord, then it's man-made and it'll fade away. But if we seek the Lord and ask God for his help, he will give us what we need. If you don't already, seek a godly mentor in your life. I don't care how old or young you are. We all need a mentor. Spiritually, there's always someone down the line that can be looked at as someone to lead. Secondly, seek to be a godly mentor, to lead someone 
Or ask that God, if there's someone in your life that you care desperately about and you don't feel like he's put you to be their mentor, pray that God would put the right person to be their mentor in their life today. If you want to know what you should be praying about, that's what we should be praying about. Pray that the right person is put in this person's life at the right time that they will listen and receive. So what is God telling you? What is he saying to your heart right now? 